Yeah. I'm glad you guys are very excited. Oh, yeah. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> Sorry, I just got off three hours of overtime from State Farm, so... Just oh, so you're not even awake. No, no, you're I'm not good. here. I know, I'm good. Is I'm... this a fever dream to you? No, 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 I'm good. That's disappointing. All right, hello and welcome, everybody, to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomington, Illinois, and beyond. I'm your host, John Parrott, and with me today is the plucky staff members of my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. The people I've managed to lure talking into games with me today are... Hi, I'm Ryan. And? How's it going? I'm Grant. Grant, you're new on the podcast. Very excited to have you. You've been demanding this privilege now for quite some time. I think mostly to talk about the board game Nemesis, but sadly that didn't even hit our news feed today. Unfortunately. So we'll have to have you on another time so you can extol how amazing that is and its next expansion. Mm -hmm. But in the store, what would you consider some of your specialties? Um, TCG specialists, mostly with magic... Uh, Pokemon. I am also the uh, local TO for the Digimon group. I will also probably be running One Piece once that game drops for us later this year with the pre-release sometime in October and official release late November, early December. So I'll be running all that. I'm also Assistant Jesse with all of the Gundam stuff and inane anime knowledge stuff that we get in. And I'm generally the guy that helps him decide on what our random Ichiban Kuji stuff that we do for the Things we get in the store like that. So, Backup Jesse is a good title for me. I got 98% of the words that you said. Then yeah. there's a few of them that I'm going to have to look up later. Yeah. I will say that in the store earlier, I, I'm skipping a little bit ahead, but there was the uh, new Lion Convoy, which if you're if you're not a Transformers fan, Lion Convoy is just Lion Optimus Prime. Yeah. And he gets a cape. Yeah, Leo Primus. And he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I highly suggest you guys come and take a look. I also see the Devastators out there, too. Yes, he so, just got released. Yeah, so Gundams are there, but there's other things, oh, too. Yeah. If you're more a Transformers oh, yeah. fan, like someone might be on mm-hmm. this podcast, it's possible. Yeah. We'll see. Anyways, that is fantastic. And thank you so much for joining me today. But really, this is kind of an auspicious uh, occasion because Jamie is not here. Mm-hmm. And normally he is the rock. He is the... The hard place of this podcast. This came out wrong. This is supposed to be family friendly. <laughs> However, he is gone today because uh, he's a Gen Con, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Uh, the only not exciting part of it is we're not there. Mm. And so we'll have to get Jamie's feedback here in a little bit about everything that he saw and did at Gen Con this year. But I know that he and Ken hopped in the car yesterday uh, this morning this super morning. early i think him and grandpa were road tripping super early this morning grandpa is what mm. ken is referred to as now by a few people on staff just because it gets under his skin just slightly well if you show <laughs> that it gets under your skin it's really your own fault that's all we're saying mm-hmm. but yeah so we are going to talk a little bit about some of the gen con news that came out mm-hmm. uh that has excited us but we'll probably have more of a special about gen con when jamie and mm-hmm. co get back and we can interview them and interrogate them and waterboard them for all the <laughs> secrets that they're trying to keep from us but seeing how we can't be a Gen Con, tell me how the store was this week. Well, it seems like we've definitely seen uh, a little bit slower periods mm-hmm. because it seems like uh, 90% of the geek culture uh, community is at Gen Con. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. It started Thursday this week, correct? Technically Wednesday night. They had, like, open sign-ins and stuff. So you had, we, 
I would say like earlier in the week because I was running Digimon on Tuesday, you had people come in like traveling to there. So we had like some pickup traffic middle of the day Tuesday into the evening as people were headed to Indianapolis, like through the Midwest. Hmm. And after that, it's kind of been, I wouldn't say like a slow week, but it's just been kind of meandery. That's fair. That's fair. Definitely more heavy on our like family board gamey side mm, than a lot it of, has lot been of, on the heavy magic and yeah not a lot of lists not a lot of guys coming in for card product a lot of people coming in for family board games groups of board games painting stuff that kind of thing so it's good to have a bit of a switch up on oh yeah you. um but that's great so any big of so pretty much all the events were kind of waylaid a little bit because of gen con mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's understandable. I mean, this is the biggest event of the year, and especially after COVID mm-hmm. and some of the decisions that were made at last year's Gen Con, I'm really hoping that they're able to recover and show because they didn't, in in my personal opinion, Grant just is now upset at the microphone. He's just punching it wildly. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like they did not do the best job of still having COVID restrictions last mm-hmm. year. Um, and so I, I think this year was a little bit better. I still think they had lower population, but I think they had more like hand washing stations yeah, and things like those lines. Masks were required to be on the floor, and you had to present your uh, vaccine card in line before you even like could be on the floors. Fantastic! So they were doing good work. So the Lord's work in some. Yeah, some that's, not that's not That's <laughs> not. It's not even his day. Let's not even worry about it. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so, seeing how the store was a little bit weird, did you guys get a chance to get anything on your own personal table to play with? Um, yes and no. I've mostly been building uh, new decks for Magic. Mm-hmm. So, I uh, finally put together my Tasha's deck for blue-black because I am a horrible person. Okay, so pretend like I don't know what a Tasha's deck is. Is this Tasha from... Tasha from uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. From Baldur's Gate. Okay, gotcha. So, good old witch queen, um, all about exiling exiling uh, other people's cards and making them mine. Oh, so you hurt people when you play games? Yes. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> now, is this deck just for fun, or are you actually preparing to play it for some reason? Oh, I, it's just for fun. Well, I'll play it, but not in any sort of like competitive capacity. Is this like a catharsis thing for you? Just like building decks and... Absolutely. Is that your like like future... No, not future boarding. Spirit boarding? No. What's it <laughs> called? Uh, vision boarding. There we go. I knew it was something... <laughs> prophecy boarding? I don't know. Uh, but yes, is this kind of like vision boarding for you where you like plan out your life but in magic cards? Uh, basically. Just like, well... I've decided that all these creatures don't really have any synergy together, so everybody's going to be a rogue now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But it's just the endless tweaking. I mean, I'm still on the tweaking stages of my horror tribal deck for Commander, and it's it's about a few things off. i just got to figure out if I want to spend the money on the uh, additional land base. Definitely fair. It's all about finding that engine. Making oh, no, the perfect the, the, perpetual engine of magic. The thing that uh, magic did, Watsi and their infinite wisdom... They keep releasing you know, three or four commander decks each set now, and with everything they do, two of them are okay, one of them has money cards in it, and then one of them is just out of the box, ready to go hate your opponent, and the one they made with the pirate uh, mind flayers called mind flayers, because they're absolute geniuses, Yeah, using that in quotes there, yes. um, 
hey, where... Dungeons and Dragons should be fun. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, <laughs> on the box, it's Mind Flayers with three A's and two R's. It's Flayers. <laughs> yeah. And it's out of the box, all horror tribal, just blue, black, demir, mill, I, your cards are my cards, exile stuff, my creatures get big, uh, if they die, they make more of themselves, just phenomenal, just trash magic playing, and it's just, it's all the good joy of being a pure black player and a pure blue player just smashed together and being one horrible little monster, and I enjoy it very much. But... Horrible little monster is not a term I would normally associate with you, Grant, but now I can see it a little bit more. Now that I can see it in your eyes as you talk about this deck. <laughs> it's just, you shouldn't be able to mill for 78 cards three times in a row because you mnemonic deluged into Eldritch Pact, and then you just kind of just hate people. We have about uh, usually a little over 20 people listen to this podcast. I believe three of them probably really got that reference mm-hmm. and are really satisfied in what you just said. <laughs> I want you to know that. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but other than Magic, did you have anything on your table this week? Uh, let's see. Um, yesterday, um, we got my, me and my friends usually play games on Saturday evenings late. Um, we got in a quick game of Zombie Dice. That's always our go-to little game like that. Um not this, this I'll keep included because it's a seven-day cycle. Um, last week, we got a huge game of Nemesis Lockdown in, since you brought it up earlier. Uh, of course. I should have just expected that it was going to come up at least once. Phenomenally. Went well. We actually all survived. Not everybody won, but we did win, So nobody, and it worked out perfectly. And then I think um, this next Friday, I think we're going to try to get... Uh, my father's work started since the app's finally now available for everything. We're just gonna power through that. Jesse played it. Apparently, he can't not sing praises high enough about it. So, I'm pretty excited about it. That is what I heard. Actually, my wife and I were able to get that onto the table. So mm. we have a whole like setup for where we can play tablet games, like mm-hmm. on a big TV inside of our game room. It's really nice. Uh, really love the game. However, about a third of the way through our, our first round, mm-hmm. uh, realized we were totally playing it wrong. And uh, we're not sacrificing people properly to do the certain skills that we're supposed no, to. Yeah. So I feel like the rule book it does a good job of explaining what you're supposed to do, but there's really no good like n- card that comes with it that says, yeah, these are the steps that you need to take. And if you want to do this specific action, this is what you have to do. Uh-huh. You really have to go searching back into the rule book to see that. Mm-hmm. However... It is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I will say that I, I have to have some sort of narrative element to really enjoy a game. Like, Azul is fine, but if you would have told me, like, I, I'm a lost, uh, I don't know, what, what are you actually making? Tile layer? And my son is, is in need of surgery, and the only way I'm going to be able to save him is lay these tiles properly? I'll be so much more invested in that game than just... Here's some dice. I think, I, I think you're asking a lot out of a $34 game. but <laughs> I think you're right. I think that's not unfair of you to say. However, uh, in this Our Father's work, you basically have kind of like a project left to you by your father. Mm-hmm. And you have these other people in your life. Like you can have a spouse. You can have servants and things like that. A caretaker. And it kind of you get to actually choose which figure represents what. Mm-hmm. So you there's like three or four different models and you can really kind of mix and match. And so I've already built a narrative around like, oh, this character is obviously into this character and this person serves this person. So now all of a sudden I'm making choices, which I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. The narrative elements of actually playing the game aren't necessarily there, but the mechanics are. So mm-hmm. 
if I keep becoming more and more insane, my wife will eventually leave me. My spouse character will just fall off the map. And I have to regain my sanity to win her back. Mm-hmm. And I just love that kind of element of throwing that in. It reminds me a lot of Cthulhu Death May Die, where you know, you're gaining insanity and that empowers you to fight these things, but at the same time it's hurting you at mm-hmm. the same time. Well, it's also the whole fact that you have to be sneaky, that your grounds workers can't see you go to get bodies and bring them back to use for your experimentations. And exactly. Then... The caretaker for your estate is not allowed to go to the village because he creeps people out. So you can only have him doing <laughs> yeah, stills you're... within your board. So mm-hmm. it is a fantastic elemental game. And I'm looking forward to playing a whole entire round. So yeah. I haven't really seen a lot of the variation. I think Jesse, yet. he did it in one like fell swoop like he did all three generations. I think he said it took him about five and a half hours. Oh, which, sh- well, first time playing, so it's going to be a little rough. Yeah, stop and read the rules. Yeah, but um, it's from what I understand, it's got very good stop and start mechanics, so you can literally do a generation, which I think there's three rounds Correct. in a generation. You can basically, here's generation, it can take probably an hour, hour and a half, maybe longer, depending, and then you can put it on break, come back, do generation two and generation three. And because everything wipes out at the end of a generation, except for certain features, a lot of the game is not just trying to get points but also trying to plan ahead for mm-hmm. the next generation and set them up for the most success possible mm-hmm. uh and i just have to say i am a slave to premium pieces and hot damn <laughs> this game is amazing they have first of all you can get animal parts but mm-hmm. they gave you like multiple different animals am i pretty sure it's come from like some noah's ark game possibly <laughs> sure i think that's totally possible but i can get little sharks or bears and it doesn't really matter it's just animal pieces the chemicals, they give you these little vials that actually have stopper corks. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people online starting to fill those with like resin or different liquids to just mm-hmm. make it feel more alive. Uh, there's gears that you have to get for part of the game, but they even took the time to give you different style of gears. Mm-hmm. So each one you choose can be a little bit different. And it just really adds this extra layer to the game that I cannot suggest enough. And because I don't think there's a retail release planned... As far as I know right now, no, but I'm very prepared to be wrong about that. Yes, I, I think that they'll be silly if they spend all this time on the app and they don't do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Red Raccoon still has a few copies laying around. I would yeah, highly suggest coming mm-hmm. in and scooping those up before it is too late. For sure. But yeah, so speaking of trying to get into games with like aesthetics and premium pieces and things like that... It kind of leads us into our first story. This is a bit of a stretch when it comes Mm -hmm. to transition, so bear with me. Uh, There's been a new trend that I've been seeing pop up, not only on TikTok, but in some of the Reddit circles, especially when it comes to role-playing, of how do you get good art for your game? Now, Ryan is happily on this podcast today to talk (laughs) about some good ways that you should do that, but we're also going to talk about a news article that says some possibly different ways to do that so ryan why don't you tell why you are uniquely qualified to talk about this subject um i i do actually uh illustration work a lot of the times and usually those commissions involve uh doing headshots for dnd characters um i have done quite a few and they net me a decent chunk of money um so totally commission local artists guys get your art from you know Nice ethical sources. <laughs> ethical sources is an interesting way of putting that, considering the alternative that we're talking about today. Yes. But I will say I have seen Ryan's art because we are thankfully Facebook friends. It is incredible. I would highly suggest it. Is there anything you want to plug and help people get a hold of you? 
Oh no, I'm actually not taking commissions right now. She's that good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, you got you. You're working on a big commission right now, aren't yep. you? Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I uh, I'm currently working on a Warforged with a clear case, so you can see all the gears and um, uh, endoskeleton that's all metallic on the inside. That is beautiful. Yes, it, it's taken me quite some time. I hope to see some finished results out of that. She's, yeah, awesome. she, she was showing off some early stills and kind of where she's on progress-wise, and it's very nice. Very, very nice. It does bring us to uh, Dally 2. Yes. Um, which is a up-and-coming AI program that is um, <laughs> one of those fancy-dancy... Uh, I, I don't think it's technically artificial intelligence. I think it's um, it's a neural network. Yeah, it's 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 dangerously nudging too. Yeah, <laughs> um, which basically goes out and searches for um, various things over the internet in order to fulfill certain requirements. Mm. Um, for instance, you put in keywords and it brings you certain or brings you a, an amalgamation that it thinks that you want. Mm -hmm. The second version looks to be a lot better than the first one. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you ask the first one to draw you a Pegasus, it will give you two halves of a horse. People... Not necessarily in the right order. Yes. <laughs> in, in a horrified thing that you still might want to put into a D&D campaign. But many people online have been using their... There's an early access you can get into Dolly 2. They're mm -hmm. trying to give it, you know... Um, a, a slow birth as it's kind of rolling out because it is an online service where basically you you type in and the more specifics you get the better chance you get it back and people have been doing some amazing things like they've gotten uh pictures of boo and minsk to be generated out of it uh which is a i believe he's a fighter he's with a, a purple tattoo on his face he's a bald mustachio goateed fighter with he doesn't have a Goatee. I thought he, he does. No, oh, no he doesn't I'm... have any facial hair. I thought he had a. Mm -mm. No, he's clean shaven. Oh, you're right. You're right. He's bald and clean shaven. I guess Warney had facial hair. Uh, well, shows what I know. It but... helps him run fast. <laughs> it's aerodynamics. <laughs> Not that we're stall, but I. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, just I mean, see when the, my problem is is that when they're first talking about this, basically it scours the internet and basically tries to composite. Yeah. And basically build the thing for me. I go, well, as a child of the 90s and early aughts, uh, the internet is a terrifying, horrible place. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and see, I'm just thinking you're going to get images of Carl Urban with his head shaved in various armors that it lays over <laughs> from like 40K. And then it's basically a realistically rendered Hamtaro for Boo. And then boom, here's your thing. For the record, Boo is a hamster. Yes. Uh, and so this, the AI generation we're talking about actually did a great job of getting a bald man with a purple tattoo on his face with a hamster on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. The hamster uh, is actually, like, very well done. Yes. I'm not entirely sure that it didn't just be, like, picture of a hamster. <laughs> <laughs> and superimpose it. Yeah. Um, but it is bringing up this interesting question because, and I think it's a lot of the rise of our online podcast community such mm -hmm. as critical role such as dimension 20 mm -hmm. uh who do fantastic job with having artwork to go along with all of their their set pieces as well as you know the 3d terrain and things mm -hmm. along those lines i know dimension 20 was using um 
now I've completely blanked on what it's called, but it was a 3D rendering of like minis mm. and terrain and things Hero like Forge. those. Yeah. Hero Forge is what they use to make their their people, but there's an actual program that's out on Steam. Uh, I'll try and think of it. Um, that is actually building the terrain so you can go around and shoot magic bolts and things along those lines. I'll try and look it up while you guys start talking about something later on. <laughs> but yes, but uh, it is a is becoming a standard that now if you try and invite people into D&D games, I think that there's an expectation of like content quality that might not always be there. I don't know if that's fair because I think... <sighs> Like, at a certain level, I guess, if you've been in the D&D community for a long time, I suppose you kind of have this expectation of quality. But at the same time, if you've been in D&D all the, a long time, you also know that most of the time it's a ramshackle shack that's basically propped up with hopes and dreams. you and, got your napkin with your map squares on it yeah. and your quarter <laughs> to symbolize your character. Yeah, and yeah. We're going after that ketchup packet there. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And, you know, your, your, your campaign that you think that you're your players think that you've been, you know, masterfully crafting for the past two weeks while you're getting ready for this big session you're doing Saturday night is not just, you know, a rip-off of a CIS episode you watched two <laughs> days prior. <laughs> I, I actually think it might actually be the opposite. Oh. That what you're seeing is actually these new players that have an expectation of, well, why isn't it critical role? Yes. Um, where then you get the whole, like, you mean you haven't, built an entire world all by yourself and you know have all this lore that you can immediately just dump on top of this mm -hmm. um where all of our custom art and terrain and where's like, the voice actors that make the characters really come alive you know, professional professional voice actors yep. most of them in the community for 20 plus years oh, dimension yeah. 20 filled with actors and comedians who mm -hmm. know about comedic timing yeah and it it definitely is this kind of like there can be an expectation that obviously not everybody is in for. Um, and I think one of the most important things about D&D is finding a group that you meld with. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be kind of part of it. A uh -huh. lot of the commissions that I get are from people in my party. It's like, yeah, we all have matching icons because I sat here for months. <laughs> Crafting it by hand. Mm -hmm. By hand. <laughs> Sweating over this hot tablet. <laughs> no one ever helps me here. <laughs> you poor unfortunate soul. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I think that's exactly what it is. It's this this concept of there has to be a production in order to play D and D. And I think you're right, Grant. People that have been in D and D long enough have realized that you know this is this is a hobbled together mess that only sometimes looks good, mm -hmm. uh, but it's fun. And that is the element of it. But I can see why people who don't have artistic talent or might not have the finances to get the amazing artwork that some people can create. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. It, it is when framed in a way that it's like what people are wanting to get for, you know, a budget or whatever else. That's awesome. The ripple effect is very likely... Well, I can pay 30 bucks for Dally 2 to do it. Mm -hmm. Why would I pay you 300 mm -hmm. And that is an interesting question, because as far as I know, Dally 2 is still in beta. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually signed up to try and get access to it, and okay. apparently it takes like months before you're approved. Well, yeah. But they have not even talked about the pricing standards that will be used for this. 
uh, I think this also has like ramifications in the marketing world, not only in the fact that, well, maybe we don't have to hire an artist. We can just use this program to give us an image to put on our box, but also the fact that because this AI generator is technically pulling from other images on the internet, is How there some long? copyright infringement that goes on there? Well, that's kind of what it comes down to. Are we looking at a sampling sort of thing? Mm -hmm. um, if you can find your image in one of Dali's works for whatever purpose, what what sort of, you know, any sort of legal uh, fortifications do you have? Probably none. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Does it technically fall under parody and stuff yeah. like that? And it's it's just, transformative. It's, yeah, it's... Um, and then it's kind of like, if it becomes oversaturated, does that affect the quality of Dali's work? I mean, that's a fair point, but I actually kind of have a unique perspective on this. I mean, Jesse were here to be able to probably chime in on this too, but it's kind of what happened in the anime industry in the 80s and 90s where everything was hand-drawn up until about 98, 99 when cell shading and computer generation technology took over and it became, it was only a few things could do it because it was very expensive. Then you had the early aughts where everything started to switch over and hand-drawn became kind of the thing that was used for specialty pieces, art pieces, art movies, things like that. And now it's the inverse. Everything does it by computer generation because mm -hmm. it's the easy cheap option and now if you want a hand-drawn you know what they consider high quality animation it's it costs through the nose because it's a i don't want to say like a, a dyed art form but it's something where it became so niche that studios that kept doing it or had the skill sets of workers who could do it basically kind of could demand more because you're asking more of them because it's people doing it, not a computer doing it. So exactly. there could be something with that, with Dolly, where Dolly is just kind of the baseline. You know, you can get stuff here, but it's just kind of easy. It's the easy, let's, you know, cost-effective option for everybody. But if you still want to get a commission done, it's going to cost you more because it requires the work and the time. So I could see something come across it like that, but that also may be hopeful thinking. Yeah, As but... a general correction... You still always need people to do oh, things. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, so far, I, we were talking earlier about computer-generated yes. scripts and how amazing they are. So it's uh, only a matter of time. I meant more as like as part of like animation industry. Oh, yeah. It's not necessarily that you press a button and it arts for you. True, <laughs> but it may the all Dolly is as I see it as a tool to help make. It may be something that helps people get into the door of D and D, stroke Pathfinder, stroke any RPG that much easier. So I think I see it as a tool for that. Whereas anything else that is commissionable work or anything that you would need to improve upon a given medium for an RPG is just going to kind of be elevated because there is a a mass market appeal base to produce artwork and necessary things for it. See, I kind of see it as kind of a dilution. Well, that's fair. Um, whereas you have a lot of different artists with a lot of different styles, mm -hmm. um, a lot of whom are, you know, just individuals with other freaking jobs because they're never going to make ends meet on just art. Mm -hmm. So this becomes sort of a, like, I don't want to say threat because that makes me sound like one of those weird people who are like, 
The robots, they're coming to take our jabs. I mean, the tinfoil hat you wore today to the podcast kind of was already given an illusion. Yes. So, so all I'm hearing is that you're trying to start like a D&D artist beatnik generation kind of thing. <laughs> Trade in that tin hat for a beret. Yeah, is that beret, what you're saying? Get, yeah. Get, get real into modern art that doesn't make any sense, but... Just oh, never stop talking about Stanley Kubrick. So, yeah. I have so many opinions here. We can't go into them. Um, but it's more just like, it's not even just like for me, right? I I worry that the less, the less it's needed, the less people are going to have the work. So similar to the animation industry, mm-hmm. um, you're going to see it dying off. Like you won't have as many. You won't have... You know, 16 different studios, you'll have two. Mm-hmm. The ones who can afford to stay Keep in it going. because they have the yeah. properties that people want to see. Yeah. So it's kind of a give and take and mm-hmm. pro and con situation. And being on one side of it, I am obviously biased. I mean, that's fair. But if you look at, I guess, as a player standpoint, it's good to have the option. But as a creator standpoint of either art or because this uh, AI could probably be used to adapt into character creation future things whereas you know you have apps that assist with character creation and character making and basically tracking your levels so that you don't have to do math because math hard um, we've talked much about D&D Beyond on this podcast <laughs> yes and uh, that entire thing I suppose you could kind of I kind of envision a future where Dolly and that are kind of one and the same, where it kind of... You were kind of mentioning that as we were talking before the podcast. Uh, just so you know, the article we're reading is from Sean Murray at The Gamer, and and you found a few things in that article that really kind of upset you about a possible future. Yeah, so if we're looking at it as, like, and this is looking at, you know, Dolly being successful, which is whether or not it can be, we'll see. And Very then, likely. And then basically improving AI creation for RPGs and things like that. Now, at a certain point, I'm a, I back this. That's fine. AI creation is fine to a point. But at a certain level, it becomes less about the character and the person who is participating in the RPG creating the content. And you're basically leaving it up to a computer. Now, computers make logical decisions. They base on the data they have. So they don't make decisions that I would consider the fun or the minutia that is D&D, Pathfinder, what have you. The character decisions. Yeah, the character decisions, which for some sometimes don't make any sense other than to the person playing it. And it's never going to come up but once. And that one time it comes up, you're like, it's the perfect thing to take. Because it came up that once and that's all the <laughs> satisfa- satisfaction I need. I took Sylvan. We're not even on a plane that has fairies. You never know. You never know. But if it comes up, I'm prepared. Computer's not going to pre- computer's not going to think that illogically to have that ready to go. Listen, so, I take Abyssal almost every campaign. Well, the, that's there's always demons. That's not actually true. <laughs> the only time it's ever come up is the time I was just like, it never comes up. I'm not going to take Abyssal. Someone always writes something <laughs> in some denonic language that your character needs to decipher. We all know this. It was a good move, and I support you. <laughs> I took Infernal instead because it usually comes up first. Oh, it's Infernal and Abyssal. Abyssal is usually if you're dealing with illithids and crap like that. Just no, that's deep speech. Oh, man. that is deep speech, right? <laughs> <laughs> We need some Duolingo, like in the well, Forgotten Realms. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be fair, there's over forty-five 
fake languages to remember, and that's a lot. <laughs> well, well, really. Oh, oh, oh we'll okay, put on the glasses okay. Now, are we? Um, actually. A lot of them are actually dialects. I know. Oh. <laughs> are we gonna get into pigeons and creoles? Are we? God, I hope so. <laughs> I am gonna put a stop to that before we do, uh, in the sense that I think that some of the the thought process you're having here is interesting because if AI can make art for D and D, why can't it make characters for D and D? Not only NPCs, but imagine you know your players out for the night and you put in an AI that can run the players' actions. But you're right; they're not going to make those weird off the wall ideas. I have been seeing some people trying to create an AI dungeon master, and I feel like that's really how we're going to lead into Skynet. That's when the computer society is finally going to say, humanity, we're done with you. Because it's going to put a dragon in there. The meme of the bard and the dragon is going to come into play, and then the computer is going to say, humanity is done. There's no reason (laughs) to keep them around Well, first off, the problem is is that you're going to have to aggregate DMs in order to create this AI, this proposed DMAI, and if you've known any DM as being DMs ourselves, and anyone who's tried to attempt to run a campaign, you love your players, but also they could die and they'd be okay too. Yeah, <laughs> that's good narrative foil right there. <laughs> and I just feel that you know we've had previous things of you know let's hook an AI up to the internet and see how long it takes it for it to go insane. You know, it doesn't take very long. So just getting. A couple months at most. A, a, you know, a couple a couple of, you know, solid DMs, and you're like, oh, let's just kind of get their thought processes down. Let's kind of program what they kind of do, in, and then let's add that to an aggregate and do an AI. All I'm seeing is you're basically just, you know, pre-building Ultron for no reason than other two. Ooh, I would like to have a Hobbit-esque campaign now, please. Okay? <laughs> it's going to get off the walls real quick. <laughs> I... If you... Um... I do feel like it all boils down to whether or not an AI can replicate the human element. Um, That's the question. Which comes back down to pretty much every aspect of it, right? Of can it create art that is humanistic? Does it have all of the aspects of a, a perfect masterpiece? Sure, but is it does it have soul? Um... Does does the character build? It builds. Eh, wow. Um, I can English good. Uh, does the character build actually have that like character choice, or are we basically turning D and D into one big chess game? And that's a fair point on that. But I guess the other issue I could see coming from computer-based logic systems in order to create said art piece is that I think art thrives in flaw. And a computer doesn't do flaw. There are logic-based systems that try to do things perfectly. It's the same reason that if you look at video games, if you have a video game that is just, you know, cookie-cutter, very easy, very straightforward, it's good, it has nothing really structurally wrong with it, it's just easy to play, it's fun to play, it's got good characters, good acting, all the things that are there in it and are necessary you don't end up talking about it afterwards because everything's too smoothed out. Games that have rough edges and cracks and breaks in it that get you snagged on what's happening in it, that's art, that's humanist. That's, that's humanistic quality to it. And There's a reason we all play Skyrim. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's 
it's a phenomenally broken little thing, and you talk about it because it's broken. It's the same thing that happened just this past March with Elden Ring. Is it a phenomenal game? Absolutely. Are there cracks in it? Oh, yeah. But that's the point, is that it was it was flawed, so you could talk about it. But it was so good that people kind of look past the flaw of it. Whereas if you just have something that's polished and perfectly round, and, you know, here's a nice shiny ball, ooh, it's a nice shiny ball, but... And ultimately, it's just a ball. It's nothing special. It's just, no, it's not going to remain in the zeitgeist other than the fact that, hey, do you remember that? It's kind of along the same lines why uh, James, Cameron Ava- James Cameron's Avatar movie was just kind of, you know, it's the highest grossing film in history, but its importance in the zeitgeist right now is nothing. Hey, except that it has a sequel coming the out. The sequel's going to change everything because this time, they're in the water. It's called... It's called They Did This Already on Nickelodeon. Excitement. <laughs> with with the original Avatar that was, you know, a thousand times better. I would love if James Cameron just came out. I was like, really, I'm just stealing everything that I can. Because the story of, okay, we're, we don't need to get into it. <laughs> Let's we're stick, off track. Yeah, we're already with DM Ultron. And so we'll, we'll leave this article there. I will say, however, whenever DM Ultron finally comes to rise and we are scattered as a human, you will need some solo games to play. <laughs> because obviously board games will still be an important part of everyone's life in the apocalypse. Oh. John, that was a masterful segue. Thank you. Too far off of it. It it does kind of um, bring up board games like My Father's Work Mm -hmm. and things like Descent, which have um, an app-run game. Mm -hmm. That is true. So you're kind of looking at this like precursor to DM Ultron. While it's very much in its own confines, we might see something a little bit more in the future. We'll see. I'm wondering if the app-based games are just slightly different. Like, there's, they're definitely a tangential to our to our prophesized DM Ultron. I'm, I'm thinking we need to get yeah, market, we, we need, we to, get need some, to get on that right now. Yeah, I'll so, tell Jamie after yeah, this. There needs to be some marketing just before for, I publish this. Yeah. It'll be TM'd. I think we'll have to, you know, fight Marvel. But yeah, it's fine. fine. They're not that bad. <sighs> it's Disney. It's parody. <laughs> um, is I think the app game, the app-supported games, I think might be a little bit more truer to form because it's basically just a so I so imagine if my father's work came out in like early to mid two thousands. So you'd probably get like a storybook, like a choose your own adventure booklet, which would basically be what the app is. All I see is that is just the ease of technology making the game accessible. Whereas instead of you know you're buying this one hundred and twenty dollar game, and then here's a forty dollar Bible that basically tells you how to run the game. It's go download this app. I will tell you the real analogy to what you're trying to get at would, would not have been a book because we're talking about my generation now. It would have been a VHS, uh, like Atmosphere, <laughs> where you put the VHS in and you try and pretend like it's not on some, you know, constant loop that you can predict. But I'm going to stop you right there. Ryan, are you aware of VHS? Grant, do you remember that I'm still almost 30? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but there were a ton of games that growing up where VHSs were used to bring that sense of uh, randomness that wasn't really there. And I think that's that's the natural like step behind mm. these app-based programs. Um, so I had a really great transition, and you really threw that in the dumpster. I set it on fire, too. But one thing that we don't throw in the dumpster is games from the Tiny Epic series. Uh, and that's what's leading us to our next news article. So for those of you that don't know, do any of you want to try and explain what the tiny epic series of games are? Don't look at me like that. 
That's something I'm super familiar with. Excellent. I get to teach you guys something today. This is very exciting. I I, I sell it well. It's just I can talk about it in so much of what it is, but I have only played, I think, the pirate version twice. Gotcha. (laughs) So the Tiny Epic series is uh, basically the mindset of games don't have to be big Mm -hmm. and expensive to be fun. Right. And every one of the Tiny Epic series games is a completely different game than the others. Now, there are expansions to some, but basically there's Tiny Epic Galaxies, where you're floating around in space. There's Tiny Epic Mechs, where you've got little mech people. Tiny Epic Zombies, where you're trying to survive and escape a mall. Uh, Every single one of these games is different and usually comes at a low cost. I think it's like Fifteen dollars usually. Thereabouts, if I think yeah. like a, a yeah. starter set that has multiples in them, maybe have like three or four as like thirty. I think the only one that was different was maybe the uh, Tiny Epic Dungeons Kickstarter. Yes, that sounds right. If that sounds right. So, uh, <coughs> from Dicebreaker, Alex Meehan published an article about a new game that's actually coming out from Scott Alms, uh, who is the creator of the Tiny Epic series. Except it's this is not actually in the tiny epic world. This is only a solo game called Fishing Lessons, where you get to have just this little game by yourself and be able to play it. And I really only picked this article because I have a strange fascination with fishing games. <laughs> I can't tell you why, but if a game has fishing, especially if it's in a fantasy world, which this obviously isn't, uh, I'm immediately enamored by it. But more and more as I grow older, I'm getting into cozy games, and fishing cozy games are becoming more prevalent as well, and I could not be happier with this vibe. Um, but it is, I, I think, very cool to see somebody who has been generating you know, cheap end of games, but mm-hmm. still quality, coming out there and saying, we know that there's tons of solo players out there. Let's make something specifically for them. Mm-hmm. I have actually, I think since early 2000s, I've seen a rise in, like, just, especially in video games, of just, like, there are random fishing mini-games. Um, yeah. Near Automata, for instance, has a random fishing mini-game. So, I, can, I might be able to shed a little light on that. So, in the gaming industry, you actually have a, a couple of games that are affectionately referred to as dad games, and they're just kind of life simulator games but they're they're just kind of a name so you have your flight simulator games you have things like euro truck simulator where you get to be like uh, driving a big rig across europe for yeah. reasons on and then any fishing game like that where it's Bass just hunter pro Bass hunter pro <laughs> <laughs> uh, any of the uh hunting games things like that it's just they're kind of chill single person experiences where you just kind of get to veg out and just kind of do that so they're kind of they call them like chill dad games you know where you're Dad gamer might still have more modern things they play, more action adventure based things, but they're just kind of you're done at work, you don't want to deal with you know family. You're just kind of like I need like two hours of listening to a podcast and you know getting this load of lumber from from uh, southern Italy all the way up to uh, uh, Denmark. That's that's all it is, and you just have to point A to point B. And I guess in the world of board games, it's kind of the same thing as if you're not really you know into a D and D based uh, game or playing a game with a group, you're just kind of like, I kind of want to do kind of something that's goal-oriented for me and just kind of chill out. I think that's a it's a good niche market to have because they keep making these flight simulator games and all that kind of stuff, so why not just keep that re- train rolling? My, my focus here was more on, but why is it fishing? 
I, I haven't met that many people who go fishing on a regular so, basis, but everyone fishes in games. Okay, so I guess I gotta ask this question. Ryan, how many times have you been fishing? I have been fishing a very large number of times that okay. I physically cannot count because I have gone since childhood. Okay, good. Do you enjoy <laughs> fishing? Yeah. Okay. So what do you enjoy about fishing? I enjoy the peaceful aspect of getting into nature. Um, and, you know, hanging out with my dad. Which yeah. is very funny because it's a dad game. Yeah, very <laughs> so, much so. My point was coming back to the whole like this isn't a um, this isn't an isolated experience. This is obviously something that everybody is just like, let's do the fishing. And I I think that it's also interesting that fishing is not something that I've seen portrayed in board games especially well. This is true. The only thing that immediately comes to mind is like here, fishy, fishy. I, that is a good one. Uh, Meowy is another one, but you're not really fishing. It's more like you're like spear hunting and you're like cat people, and so it's more about catching fish, not actually fishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I find that, that this mechanic definitely adds a little bit of a new nuance to it, especially as I said before. There's also a narrative component because you're trying to fish, kind of also memories as well to help you in the game. So it's also so it's an arty indie game, kind that, of that's hidden in the shell of a dad game. Exactly. Oh, that's how they got it through to you. So that scene, that's 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 hmm, that's some cross pollination for <laughs> someone there. I'm not sure how that fraggles in, but that's that's. Uh, Should make it easy whenever you guys have to sell it out on the floor, right? You can just I, tag those I'm, dads that are definitely into fishing. <laughs> I mean, actually, I mean it might work. I'm just we live in the Midwest. Yeah, fishing it. It's just I have very many questions of, it's, what is this? Ah, oh, it's a single-player fishing game, but it's also going to make you have feelings. <laughs> you well, don't you tell know. them that. They just explore that as you have it. It's kind of like Thousand-Year-Old Vampire, right? You just you just slide it to somebody unsuspecting and see what happens. <laughs> now, I've never heard of Thousand-Year-Old oh, okay. Vampire. Okay, so Thousand-Year-Old Vampire is a solo RPG where mm. you're basically um, going through... Uh, the memories and journaling of a thousand-year-old vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's almost like a choose-your-own-adventure book, but you're also like playing as the character. Um, so there's a lot of different horrible things that can happen. Um, and I've never gotten through the whole thing. It's It's... I don't want to describe it as like a misery parade, but it can very easily become a misery parade. So, like, if you're in like a BoJack Horseman mood, it's the perfect game for you. <laughs> if you want to just be slightly nihilist, yeah, you just kind of want to enjoy a nice little trip down. Wow, whew, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm not this vampire guy. Maybe my life's not so bad. It it definitely is an unsuspecting type of game mm-hmm. where you're looking at a little like floral print journal book that mm-hmm. looks like it was pulled out of your grandma's uh, cabinet because mm-hmm. for some reason she kept a notebook there. It is very, very sneak up on you. Yeah, it's one of those games that how would you describe it? It opens up the old emotion hole and jams in the feelings cactus for no reason. So I kind of I, I... now have expectations of this fishing game. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still trying to get over that analogy that was just used. That was a bit of a mind-boggler. Um, this is Grant. This is Grant. This makes sense. Okay. Uh, well, speaking of I things I work at the game are, store. Yes. Yes, you do. And you also are in, like, what, three hours of sleep right now? I'm so. not great. I went to bed at, like, two. 
Oh yeah. And I got up fine. at like five forty-five. Perfect. I'm good. At least you have enough not to go insane, and that that's just like fifteen minutes a day or something like that. Nah, it's really um, speaking of things that are unsuspecting that can sneak up on you, uh, Gen Con obviously has had some surprises this week. Things that have already been kind of announced that people can kind of look at at Gen Con or actually just go ahead and buy. Mm-hmm. So I thought we would use our last few uh, news story items to talk about what has been some of the surprises that you've seen this week that make you very, very happy or very, very sad. Um, well, I personally am a giant dice goblin um so there are a couple of a handmade dice makers out there that have uh new collections launching at gen con um dispel being one of them uh the other being Yunir, um who is doing a partnership with a i think it's level up dice um so that is a whole bunch of cool new designs um, that, if you find them, I definitely suggest them. Um, the other thing that I was very surprised to see was the new Warhammer RPG. Yeah. I didn't know the that 40K they did well. The 40K one, right? Yeah. The thing with the 40K RPGs is they always turned into basically... I don't know if I can describe them as they're basically... Um, Call of Cthulhu, except it's in deep space and you all go equally as insane just as quickly, and at the second you go insane, you lose the game. <laughs> so I know with the new version that's coming out, it's not necessarily based around the space marines yeah. and their conquest. It's more about the normal, everyday people that live in the Empire, which I think just living in that Empire would be a terrible, horrible, insanity-inducing experience. So, I, yeah, I have no idea where anyone would get that I, yeah, idea. Yeah. It's just the... I don't know. It just seems because 40k is parody, so there. And the entire point was, you know, to basically make fun of the entire idea of grim dark fantasy and just kind of turn that up to way past more than what it needed to be. And then they're like, "Oh yeah, no, people, we need to hang out down here with the lay people of this universe." I'm like, "Do we though?" I mean, this could be really fun. I could see a lot of narrative and fun stuff coming from this, but it's also, what are you going to do? Because are you just, is the game going to be, you're invaded by orcs, what do you do? Hide. <laughs> you just happen to be psychic, so you're pulled away to now feed the Emperor's yeah, like, like, abilities. I, I don't know what a good day looks like in the 40k universe for a like, normal person. For a, yeah, for a regular human, I can't even begin to fathom that. So I'm very <laughs> interested just to read the book to be like, these are the things you can do. Oh, they still have bread makers. Awesome. <laughs> did, this did is your baker class. Space yeast is in short supply. Um, But, yeah, I... Is space yeast... Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Is it related to orcs? (laughs) No. Well, they're fungus. And yeast is not technically a fungus. (laughs) (laughs) It's a secret ingredient in some bakeries in the Imperium. It's not great. But I just feel like what's We're like you go to the office and you're like, hail Empire, hail Emperor. Uh, you know, did you hear about Bill? Bill got taken away by the, inquir- the uh, Inquisition, Inquisition the other day. Oh, well, he shouldn't have been not thinking about the Emperor. Why, why did he get taken away? Eldar artifact he found and he decided to keep it in his house. So what'd they do? Killed his whole family. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it was the only solution. Uh, burn the heretic. Burn the heretic. So that's yeah, that's kind of the thought process I'm running through. <laughs> I will say that 
while I agree with you, like, this is supposed to be Grimdark, I also think Judge Dredd has that kind of same vibe, but does it so much better with the block system. And I just yeah. don't feel like we have that kind of room to explore within the 40k universe as a normal citizen as like a judge dread person i could definitely see you getting up to shenanigans in that world yeah i i think there's a rich storytelling ground there but as they're like oh yeah we're going to the you know the the baseline people of the imperium i'm like so we're like are we just are we like on a hive world and we're doing stuff are we on like a manufactorium planet are we on a guard training planet, so the entire planet is basically a military industrial complex. Let's just make soldiers that are not gonna come home. <laughs> it's definitely an interesting start, and if nothing else, I'm very curious to see where it goes. Yeah, I, I agree. It just I want to get my hands on the book because this was, if nothing else, it'll be a phenomenal read over just to be like because it's a very unexplored part of what 40k is, and I'm just like. As a, as a meaning of catharsis for what that series is, it'll be a very weird juxtaposition that I think will make the thing that people come to 40K for either that much weirder or better, and I'm okay with that. I have listened to one podcast. It was from the One Shot Network, so if you listen to those podcasts, they're fantastic. James D'Amato, who is actually an author of many great D&D books that are held within Red Raccoon, uh, are is the usual either player or DM of these games, and every one shot for like two or three episodes, they do a different game system. They did a 40k one where James D'Amato got to play as just basically, uh, it was kind of like a Sergeant Bilko like hmm. crazy captain who was leading a crew into a, a something that the Eldar were getting into, and it actually ended up being a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the closest that I can think of to that type. Like you need to have like a uh hogan's heroes type aspect or something like that to alleviate some of the tension of that universe so what i'm saying so all i'm hearing is is you got to run like a gi joe subplot that is the only possible sense that (laughs) makes me yes it did did reference getting into like a pulp culture sort of thing that is true so it's like i am very interested because i don't see a lot of the warhammer lore as being very uh pulpy (laughs) <laughs> Cowboy Bebop in 40k universe. Well, like. again, well, I mean, it's pulpy, but that's just because there's a lot of blood on the ground. <laughs> Gotta strain that afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I will say that one of the most uh, exciting things that I've seen come out of Gen Con so far has been the first expansion to the third edition of Betrayal at the House on the Hill, which mm-hmm. by far one of my favorite games of all time. Same. The, the third edition has just come out. I've not gotten a chance to play it yet. I've heard good things. I've heard that uh, some of the haunts in the third edition are actually sequels to haunts in the second edition. Oh, that's fun. So it's kind of, you, you are still building if you know that universe beforehand, but you can jump in at any time. Mm. But I noticed something with this expansion that's changed the way that I've seen the game now because the new expansion comes with a new character named Sarah. Sarah is a werewolf. And as you play the game, she can turn into a feral werewolf. Now, I'm assuming that means that the other characters, they talked a little bit about trying to build more of a narrative of why all of the kids and scientists are there in the game. But I'm wondering if it's going to be like uh, 
Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, which was a spinoff of the series, where each character had kind of their own special ability. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there are now special abilities with the characters, and so someone like Sarah comes in, she might have advantages, but she also runs the risk of turning feral on you. So in the middle of your haunt, you might now have a, a werewolf friend that is trying to hunt you at the same time mm -hmm. as the, the betrayer is. Yeah. And that is a really interesting concept for how this game is played. Mm. I... I definitely am just like, ooh, so on top of having someone being the backstabber, you also have a random additional possible enemy. <laughs> yes, an unreliable PC that you can't necessarily depend on. So I feel I was really excited to kind of see that. That also comes with new haunts as well, so they have new cards and things like that. Grant, it looks like you're digesting this thought. Yeah, I'm just, having played House on the Hill. Uh, Betrayal of the House on the Hill. Thank you, Betrayal of the House on the Hill. Thinking of the movie. <laughs> Uh, it seems like an interesting choice considering that it's it's a social deduction game but it's also basically a board playing game that you just you know don't die but also figure out the mystery so adding a uh, wiggle piece I'll call it affectionately like that where you have a character there absolutely can be your uh, linchpin of getting everything solved out and getting things taken care of and then you have just for random reasons now they're a werewolf. That just It's a level of chaos that the game already in chaos is throwing just another piece in there. And, like, I'm there for that. But if they decide to uh, either go back to old characters and give them a special ability or all new characters are going to get a special ability where that becomes a thing, I'm very open to that. It's just, I. it seems like levels of chaos for chaos's sake, which may not be hyper conducive to the game as a whole but having not played it i can't say that it what it adds and takes away as a fan of nemesis i expected you to be more on board with this well there's a difference between the game hating you and then <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay. i see what you're saying yes all right that checks out um i will say one piece of sad news is that there was one piece of information that i learned too late that might have actually gotten me to go to gen con and just say forget you guys today uh and that was that dimension 20 they are my favorite like live play actual play uh podcast i subscribe to dropbox it's incredible if you haven't checked it out uh one of the series they did was called misfits and magic mm -hmm. and it was about basically four american transfer students to a hogwarts like school and they really were just they had a great time it was a great cast uh Abria Iyengar was the person that led it, and so she was fantastic. Uh, and they really kind of poked some holes in some JK rolling stuff, but they also were uh, amazingly good at creating these weirdly developed characters. Like, one kid was a basketball star from America, and then he had to learn that there was no basketball at Hogwarts. And so, like, he got kids to actually, like, exercise, because he also found out Hogwarts doesn't have gym class. Like, nobody's actually doing any physical labor, because they're just magic doing everything. So that was kind of fun. Uh, there was one character who was very much supposed to be, like, the chosen dark one, but he was a little resistant to it. Um, and so he just had a blast of just being this utterly sad character. Uh, another one was an edgelord that started to learn that her magic was not as dark and creepy as she had hoped. And one was a social media influencer who then taught the kids about Twitter and Instagram and all of these American things. And so it was this beautiful game that was only like five episodes 
And Dimension 20 apparently gave Abria Iyengard the ability to take it on the road. And so she did a Gen Con actual play oh. uh, with a few other players, different players than the game. Becca Scott, I believe, was one of them. She wasn't there before. But, uh, and apparently they just had an awesome time. Excellent. And Abria was leading it. And apparently, I'm really hoping it shows up on Dropbox at some time. Drop out, excuse me, which is mm-hmm. the app for College Humor. Fair. Uh, and now John looks uh, sad over to Indianapolis in I the just, distance. In that direction. Feel the longing. <laughs> I don't know what that hand signal was. I mean, that's the direction of Indianapolis. Oh, here. sorry. Yes. <laughs> Grant was trying to do a visual gag on a podcast, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out later. Uh, nevertheless, Grant, things from Gen Con that excited you or made you sad? Um, nothing that really made me upset. Um, I've, From what I've seen and heard, um, the new One Piece TCG that was previewed at uh, Gen Con officially for Learn How to Play and everything went over gangbusters. Everyone's super excited to see it come out and ready to go for it so we'll see how it goes we'll be doing that here um all of the tcg stuff had super good turnout for all of the games so always like to see that especially after basically two years of nobody really getting to do anything so uh digimon held its first uh dc cup at gen con this year i think they had uh 500 plus people for it so fantastic and that's good uh is one piece running off the same system that my hero academia is or is I've only seen some stuff on it. I haven't seen an actual play out of it. I'm going to be watching a whole bunch of stuff because there's going to be a lot of stuff post-Gen Con on it. Um, It's basically you pick your pirate crew, so you'll have like the Straw Hats, the uh, Beastmen, or uh, the the Marines, and the Sichibukai, and all that kind of stuff. And then you'll pick your deck master, and then you'll build your deck as accordance to what can be in that quote-unquote color. Yes. And then basically you just play it off of that each hero can be a each hero or villain can be a particular deck master as things kind of progress forward and then it, it's kind of a weird mix of the digimon card game and the dragon ball super card game where they kind oh, of take elements of both and kind of more more on the dragon ball super side of things but it has elements from digimon that it kind of brought into it because they just what bandai is doing right now don't don't build a brand new ship just take pieces of the other ships and just see how they work ship of theseus into a tgc yeah Mm -hmm. that makes sense that checks out well sadly the one piece card game is not out right now yeah and it's not going to be out for a little bit i think we're pre-releasing it early october and then it's i'm saying this now barring anything any shipping errors it's supposed to release i think us-wide Late November, early December is, I think, the plan, but that's always subject to change with how the world is right now, so. Well, while it's not out yet, and it's definitely not October, thankfully, although it feels like tomorrow it could be, Mm because the year is just going by so fast, let's talk about things that we can actually have in the store right now Mm -hmm. in the new hotness. While I give my, uh, some time to them for them to check their phones to see the new hotness photo that i pushed in our team's chat i will go ahead and say that one of the things that i absolutely love on the new hotness is marvel dice throne i got to play that the other night i got to play as thor it was a lot of fun uh you they did a great job once again if you have not played dice thrones it is battle yahtzee 
uh, you get to take some sort of fantasy character, or in this case, Marvel character. You roll the dice three times, you try and make a combination, and you have your own little player board that each combination gives you the ability to do certain things to your opponents, such as giving them status effects, straight up attacking them, and it's all about kind of the luck of the dice, as well as some cards that you have in your hand. Uh, the There is a Kickstarter set that has all of the characters, and that is Spider-Man, Loki, Thor, Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, Doctor Strange... Um, Spider-Man is Miles Morales, Miles Morales, Morales, by the way. Was it Doctor Doom? No. 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 I thought it was Black, Black Panther. Black Panther. Black Panther. Thank you. Uh, but there is a standard retail version that is just uh, Scarlet Witch, Thor, Loki, and Miles Morales, Spider-Man. And no matter what you get, you're going to have fun with mm-hmm. these characters. And I, I can play up to four players. You can do the two-player variant, and it has the multiplayer variant. You can literally play up to eight players if you have enough of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it gets a little bit dicey. The more people that you kind of play like that, the more time yeah. it's probably going to take. But yes. Well, just like a, anything above a four-player game of Commander gets long into the night. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have learned the next time I host Commander, we're splitting into pods. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, uh, we still have one copy of the Kickstarter edition for Dice Throne, mm-hmm. um, and we have plenty of the retail versions, and hopefully we'll see the expansions covering the rest of the ones in the Kickstarter soon. Fingers crossed. Um, I know we also got in a bunch of our uh, lovely smelly dice. Yeah, the scented dice. Those are... <laughs> the downstairs smells phenomenal in the dice cave. Oh, yes. <laughs> it, it usually smells a little bit on the musty side, and not great and now it's like going back there it's like hmm. someone really thought about you like this is a very <laughs> ryan-esque uh new hotness for sure yeah uh then, so uh, we have those and then uh for those after waiting a long long time for about two and a half years if not longer uh the ships of uh acrios acarios i was finally out Yes, what is that game? Because it definitely enticed me, but they did a horrible job of presenting what's actually in the box on the back. I have not been able to crack one open. All I know is that I was still in Japan at the time the game was announced. Um, And it was on Kickstarter for, I want to say, close to three years now. And they just finally shipped after debacle after debacle after debacle with it. So, interesting. I looking at it, it's kind of right at my alley because I'm I immediately think capital ship combat and I'm already or you know starship combat and I'm already like right there with it, but I haven't had a chance to just pour over the thing and be like, this might be right at my alley. Gotcha. Um, I will say that also if you're a zombie side fan, not only do we have the ability to have your upgrade kit for pets. But also, the Ghostbusters set has finally released. Indeed. Um, it looks like we only have one of the versions, and that has uh, Venkman and... Oh. Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is in there, but Venkman and the Ernie Hudson's character. Uh, Winston. Winston. As well as one of the dogs of Gozer mm-hmm. and Slimer. Yep. So you can add those to your zombie side experience. If uh, if you ever played the old uh, PS2 Tetris game where you competed uh, simultaneously, we now have Lots, which is basically the board game equivalent of competing in Tetris, um, which is the funniest thing that I've ever seen it described as. So I'm going to actually have to yell at you guys now that I'm looking at this, because... 
we are in a, a crisis. Now, I know that there's a lot of bad things that are happening on our planet right now, and they're very arguable, but I think there's one thing we can all get behind, and that is holidays are happening too early. Why is it August and I'm getting the spirit Halloween set up at the mall already? What is going on? Because someone has to fight back against Christmas. But no, that is not fighting back against Christmas. That's giving into Christmas and Thanksgiving as you're being continually pushed back. John, there's no Thanksgiving anymore. It's only pre-Christmas. <laughs> it's only pre-Christmas. Uh, but there's I'm, Halloween for as long as we can have it and then Christmas. Yes, but you now have a Merry Madness game based on The Nightmare Before Christmas, mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like should not be on the shelf until October. It shipped. It's here. We're selling it now. And if, if Halloween can extend from October until August, we'll take it. Funnily enough, we also got in the Trivial Pursuit for Nightmare Before Christmas at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, oh, I guess we're doing this right now. Right yeah. right now, in the middle right of summer. There's no other and choice. And to be fair, you can sell it at two times in the year, so. I will admit that. <laughs> Neither of which are now. <laughs> I have known people that make Nightmare Before Christmas their personality, so they don't really care at what time of year they see this, if there's something with skeleton yes, I, jack I, I, I or went to, I went to high school in the mid-2000s, too. <laughs> yes. <Same. laughs> I taught high school in the mid-2000s, so yes, I get it. Um, let's see, what else is there? We have uh, some more D&D &D frameworks coming out, yep. something like a spider, I believe? It's a drider. It's actually the paint uh, kit. Yeah, oh, okay. it's the drider paint kit, because yep. is that... Is that, it's not the Lolf on the front, is it? It's just the big drider, right? Yeah, it's just the big drider boy. Um, the poor, unfortunate soul. Uh, I would really, really enjoy a Lolf one. Because right now she's actually, I think, smaller. She's much smaller than he, than he is. Yeah. Which, which is, doesn't make sense, but you know, what it's is It's so it? sad. I would really like a giant. Uh, do we do, not saying you have to do this, but uh, WizKids, Gargantuan Lolf, just do it. Please give me the spider goddess. Thank I will you. say that I think that that is probably coming from what I've been seeing in D&D &D and how they've been trying to approach the drow society. I think that we are due for a big drow update where all of a sudden we learn about, hey, there are good drow out there and Drizzt's not the only one. And Well, they're actually, they've already actually teased that mm -hmm. um, because you have all of the um, supposed enclaves mm -hmm. uh, around the world that have like these section... Uh, sectors that are basically broken off from traditional draw society. Mm -hmm. They um, still have driders, but they're not crazy. I thought is one of the things. No, they're completely separate they, from they, Spiderland. Oh, they're okay. They didn't um, separate them completely. But you've always had Elystra, yeah. um, who is basically the equivalent of the Drow goddess of redemption, um, as she is uh, the dancer in the moonlight. She's a sword goddess because part of the lore is that she. Um, shot uh, her father, um, main elf god man, that I can never remember the name of. Uh, I mean, it's basically a ripoff of Norse mythology with Scotty, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she basically is part of the whole, like, resistance inside of Lothite society. Mm -hmm. You bring uh, all these drow to the light and show them to the surface, and they live in these enclaves. Um, but the new ones that I've only seen a little bit on, admittedly, um, are all these different um, locales of drow that have this completely different uh, way of life, um, far and away from things like Menza Berenson, which is very interesting to me. Um, and part of me is just like, I enjoy a little bit of uh, the Bojack Horseman-esque... Misery Parade. <laughs> misery Parade. And I'm like, at the one hand... I really like it. On the other hand, 
I like the dark lore. Leave it, please. <laughs> and this is one of the things that I will never get over when people start complaining about Dungeons and Dragons. They, I understand why Dungeons, uh, War, excuse me, Wizards of the Coast has come through Dungeons and Dragons and said we need to make things better represented to yeah. what is being played. We need to make sure that there's no race that is just evil because they are a race. That is not how that works. But they've never deleted a lot of their stuff. Even with the legacy character options that just got changed with mm -hmm. Volo's Guide to the Monsters of the Multiverse or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Mordekai, yeah, excuse me. Uh, they, they didn't take it away. It's just saying, here's a different way to play. Yeah. And if you want to have drow just be evil that's fine you can still do that in your world no one is forcing you no. uh this is this is all just giving options I, I it's more that i am i am a, let me restart that sentence because i my english failed uh drive failure um it's more that we already have a lot of that in the lore that exists and i wish we could focus on it that's fair. And that would make me very, very happy. <laughs> well, the thing I thought that D&D &D and Pathfinder could always use, and they've never put it out, is a direct lore book. Whereas I know each... It's been a really long time. Right? Where it's basically, here are all of the playable races. Here is a 10 to 15 page blurb on society culture gods goddesses there were like you basically get a nice structured thing because as a dm resource that's a lot of thinking you don't have to do and it's all right there and you can literally go well what character do you want to be what race do you want to be well, i'm thinking of this here's the book do some research get an idea it's just it's it just seems like a player guide assistant thing that they you know make another book make it 400 pages fill it up let's have a whole bunch of stuff lore everything we need and you're just People will buy it. It's a necessary thing that people will be down for instead of, you know, having to go to, you know, online databases or, you know, this book, this book, this book to try to connect the dots between this original lore piece to this lore piece to this lore piece. Here it's in one easy to find section of you wanted to be a dark elf. Here's everything on the dark elves. I think that that is probably what D&D Beyond is now going to become yeah. now that Wizards of the Coast is owning it. That mm -hmm. will be the lore book. But I also think that because we are now seeing Spelljammer come into effect of... We need to create a Marvel Cinematic Multiverse for the D&D universe. Uh, that, that is going to become incredibly hard to follow even one step of lore because no matter if it's that way in one world, who knows what it's like in the next world. Right. So. But that's, that's not a thing, though, right? But it's always been that way. Yeah. yeah. But that just having, so like just having the baseline D&D, just having it as a supplemental book of, so you have Monster Manual, Player Handbook, D&D, uh, DM's Handbook, you literally just have... Lore well, book. you have the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, right. which is a very small version of that. Right, yeah, and I'm saying, uh, oh, for, absolutely. for a four-book bundle, you have you have the, the small books that teach you how to play the game, and then here's the Bible of how things are actually done. <laughs> I, I would like my uh, condensation and physical version of the D&D Wiki. Um, what I can say is that I'm very excited and anxious for the Adventures of Rist. Mm. Um which I believe is going to be animated. Yeah. Yes. Wait, what is this now? They've actually teased a series about mm. 
Drist. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Was it Netflix that's doing it, or was it... I don't remember, but I saw it on Wizards of the Coast site when I was um, looking for Unearthed Arcana. Um, yeah, so one of the... very exciting. One of the streaming services has it, and I just don't remember who. My gut tells me Netflix, but I think Netflix has the uh, cyberpunk one, so yeah, I'm not but sure. but something that they're doing in it is that they are um, changing the favor of Lulv. Um, so that you can actually see it on the skin. Interesting. Which is what I was talking about as far as just like, are we going to make this dark or are we going to... Gotcha. Um, so looking at that, seeing what the changes are going to be, I'm very interested to see it. Um, mostly because I very much like the draw and <laughs> the horrible, complicated mess that they generally are in. Mm-hmm. Um... But yes, it'll be interesting to look at. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, if they are able to get this D&D movie to look, to be as good as it looks, yeah, it, I think that that is definitely something that I'm, I'm still more. hesitantly optimistic on that one. I know, I know. But part of me really wants it to start with... See, I, I, I've always been on the side of the internet that the best D&D movie to me would be you do what they're showing in the trailers... And you do that super serious, super fun, realistic take on what D&D was. But the setup is, is you have the Muppets come in and play a session of D&D. And then it <laughs> takes over as their actor representations. I've always enjoyed the thought that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy was just the Avengers There's playing a D&D, D&D game yeah. in Cibes. Uh That That's a great meme, too. Uh, meme too. I, I will say I just did some precursory research on this Drizzt thing. I don't think they've announced which... Site has site is going to have it, but I feel like that would fit so well into the art style of Castlevania, which is coming mm-hmm. from Netflix, which was done by uh, Studio Madhouse, who did Correct. Helsing, yeah, all once upon a time. So yeah, that would the fit Blood in. of Zeus, things yeah, like that. that. I think that would fit super well into that. It would be awesome. Yes, and I I'm sitting here just like, please, please give it to after, me. After <laughs> I mean, after Critical Role's animated series has done so well for them, and they're getting a season. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's already been announced. Mm-hmm. So I think they've got an announcement all the way to season three. I believe that's correct because I, I want to say that season two comes out within like the next yeah. six, seven months. But yet they won't give me season two of Invincible. I don't know why. Well, they it's are. Fair. It's just I want it. I it's want just it. you've read Invincible, right? Yeah, I know what happens. Yeah, no, it's they've done a great job of. Oh no, of it's the, it oh, they've done a great job of. Uh, translating it is just invincible gets weird is a f- fun way to say it 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 mm, <laughs> we're gonna talk off air about this so we don't ruin this for anybody else because it's so good um we will talk about that off air mm-hmm. but that's gonna be obviously after this podcast oh, yeah. into the week what else is going on this week um, at the store i am very excited for our, our magic players to return um while we have seen a huge uptick in the amount of people coming in for Commander. Oh, Thursday um, nights for Commander have been yeah. high We've traffic. gone from like six people so starting this year. average about 30. To, uh, 22 to 25 generally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you really want to have some uh, Commander fun, Thursday night is the place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of our usual for draft night uh, were up at Gen Con, yeah. which is a shame. Um, we are looking at a Pioneer Tournament uh, coming up soon. I don't remember. August 27th. Yeah. So if you are into Pioneer and need to uh, 
need to flex about it. Uh, we will have the qualifiers here, and if you do really well, we'll send you out to state. And by state, I mean Georgia. <laughs> uh, Not the state. Other things coming up this week, we have My Hero card game on mm-hmm. Tuesday. Standard things, Hero Clicks on Thursday. Anything this coming Saturday? It's uh, is it Pride this Saturday? Um, it's uh, not Pride this... Is this upcoming weekend. Yeah. Yes. Pride Fest. Yeah, I I forgot that we are on Sunday, and <laughs> which means next weekend is in fact Pride Fest. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll we'll be jumping that day. Oh yes, um, I believe we intend to stay open a little bit later uh, on Saturday. Correct. I've actually been called in to actually work the floor, so that okay. is a, a sign that yeah. things yeah. are going to be hopping. Other things coming up, we have uh, Digimon Store Championship on August 20th for the first round of this year's uh, end cycle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Fantastic. It's- As usual, busy at the shop. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Alright. Well, uh, what was I going to say? Don't you hate it when you brain fart in the middle of something where you have to talk the whole entire time, and so you have to then fill space as you go through your phone trying to find the area that you're looking for? <laughs> Once or twice. Okay. And with that, uh, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank the staff members who joined me today, and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where... And this is where I normally try to add, like, one cool fact about the store. Uh, board Game Rental, always open, always available. Uh, but if you go a little past that, there is a place where people sell their own games, the Consignment Center. Mm-hmm. That's true. So if you have a game that you are done with and you want to pass the joy of it on to somebody else and it's in good condition, uh, you can bring it on down to Red Raccoon and they will uh, allow you to sell that for a short fee. Short fee? Small fee. There we go. I think it's a short fee. Short fee, same difference. 20% of the list of price. Yeah. But you could also maybe find some gems. I know my wife has always looked at consignment. We've picked up one is or that two thing, things. Is that Joan of Arc thing still sitting back there? Because it's been haunting me about getting it. Probably. And it I, has beautiful miniatures. I know. So good miniatures. We I shouldn't just, be talking about it on the podcast. One <laughs> of the 20 people that listen might come and get it. That's. I mean, they can if they want to. I'm still trying to talk myself out of getting it just for miniatures, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Pretty much, right? That's why. That's why I got Nemesis. Ooh, minis. <laughs> I want to thank Julian Mesner for the use of our theme music, and feel free to tell us how we're doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice, or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com. If you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout-out on the show. But until then, keep playing. <laughs>